Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. I am Corwin Heller. And, and uh, <laughs> you put it on the teleprompter, he will read it. Um, <laughs> welcome to the 299th episode of the show. If you're wondering if we have plans for episode 300, we do not. That is far too much preparation to be expected in the midst of the holidays um, and everything involved in Corwin and my own personal lives. So uh, get ready for a normal fucking episode on I Thursday. Moving. I barely have enough mental capacity to deal. I have barely enough mental capacity to get genuine English sentences out of my mouth, let alone move and plan a celebration of something that we don't plan for already. Yeah, I I know. Cor- Corwin's got to move. I've got an engagement. We've got a ton of stuff in our own lives. It's it's be be glad we're here, uh, really. So anyway, coming at you. It's uh, it's December twelfth. The Jets are getting fucked. The, you know, status quo. I know it, it hurts still in my heart, but Jet Jets are getting fucked. Um, the the Steelers got fucked already, so that got out of the way early. Our, our teams suck. It, it hurts. I want to die. Um, yeah. 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 There's no baseball news, too. That sucks, too. Lockout still in effect. Oh, well. Nobody's uh, nobody's done any sneaky business to make the news and force anything. It's almost a shame. I was kind of hoping for some malfeasance. Yeah. Yeah. The most exciting piece of news. Negotiating. No, that I, I uh, that would startle me too much. I don't think we'd be good at it. Uh, I think like the biggest piece of news is that like D Strange Gordon signed with I want to say the Cubs. I kind of forget at this point. Um, but because it, but because he didn't play in the majors last year, it counts as a minor league deal, so it's still allowed to happen. That's all we're getting. We're getting a bunch of minor league signings that are getting pushed as major league um, news because there is no major league news. Touche. You got me there. Uh, oh, there's only one baseball topic that I have seen debated over the Twitter sphere in recent weeks because uh, Hall of Fame voting is still going underway. And there's been some weird lines drawn. We don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but, you know, people who vote for bonds but don't vote for A-Rod, we'll say. And I don't know if I get that. Mm-hmm. Or like, I've, like I, John Heyman turned in the weirdest ballot the other day. That was Barry Bonds got a check. Uh, Roger Clemens did not get a check. And Kurt Schilling got a check. And I don't understand what that is. And we don't have to skewer Heyman specifically too much on this. But like where people draw their lines no, is confounding. Oh, go ahead. I, I don't really have much to say, per se. Uh, but fuck that guy. I'm so sick of his face showing up on my Twitter feed, even though I have unfollowed him. I know. I don't follow him either. He's just fucking there. Oh, wait, do I? F- now I have to wonder if I follow him. I might actually, I might follow him. Yeah, I know. He breaks, he breaks, he breaks news. about my confidence. Yeah, I'm not confident. I, I, I dislike him greatly, but he does get scoops because he's a mouthpiece for, you know, actual people. But yeah, it, it, a lot of people justify bonds by saying he won MVPs and had an MVP career before he started doing steroids, before we think he started doing steroids. And 
boy, howdy, is that the flimsiest of hills for you to die on? Why would you want to? Like, I, I don't get why you'd want to have to make an argument about when the steroids started and how that affected his ability to perform. Like, people will take the, um, like, Pittsburgh to first year of San Francisco and be like, three MVP awards pre-steroids. And it's like, the problem with that, though, is we've seen so many athletes who take steroids that are not gigantic. Right. Like, just because he got swole as fuck doesn't mean that he wasn't taking steroids before that. Mm-hmm. Like, Robbie Cano got busted with steroids. Report, yeah, in like 2003. Yeah. There's a difference between, you know, knowing for certain when something started and assuming without a doubt that it happened around this time, knowing that it happened, but just knowing it took generally during this period. You can't just, it's either okay because it was, you know, you have to be a certain caliber of player to take them and be the kind of player Barry Bonds was. The fact that it was widely accepted amongst amongst the league and taking those pieces of context into you know consideration or just being completely against it and drawing the line in the sand, yes or no, and make it a very black and white discussion. And just these imaginary lines, like you said, are just, Come on, we're fucking adults here. And and, and that's why I don't get guys like Heyman who are splitting themselves between um, Bonds and, and Clemens because it's like, where do you want to draw the fucking line with with Clemens? Like, I, I, I don't I don't get that shit either. Like their careers span essentially the exact same years. Mm-hmm. And Clemens also won the vast majority of his hardware pre-report. Like, let's see, Bonds, I'm saying first year of San Francisco, so that was 93. By 1993, Clemens had already won three Cy Youngs and an MVP. Like, and four ERA titles. If you can already accept Kerry, not Kerry Collins, uh, Roger Clemens or Kurt Schilling as guys who have been you know, shown to do this and are worthy of the Hall of Fame, either one of them, how can you accept one but and not the other? But also the fact that you would be willing to take Kurt Schilling over Roger Clemens in any context. A man who who is such an awful human being, he has been whole, like full-heartedly rejected from the baseball community since um, largely since his retirement, but but especially over the course of the last five years. And even went so far as to request to be left off the ballot because he didn't even want the votes. You're still going to vote for this fucker. I don't fuck you. This is why I'm very much open to the idea of just not allowing guys to release their ballots, because hopefully in that case, at the very least, you would prevent them from being able to use it as a way to get clout on Twitter. Just they cannot get the attention from releasing their ballot and making it a talking point. So maybe we could have some semblance of genuine discussion on this. It's the delicate balance between not glorifying, but also having the um, floor for public shaming. Oh, it's a tricky road that we walk down. 
which also brings up the difference between, you know, A-Rod and Big Poppy because both got mentioned on a steroids report. A-Rod tested positive beyond that. But again, it's like if you're going to make the argument about Bonds' career pre-steroids and post-steroids from when you think it happened, like are we going to start divvying up A-Rod's seasons between when he was likely using steroids and when he likely wasn't based on available testing? Like it's fucking, it's nonsense. Mm-hmm. It's fucking nonsense. Uh, why draw stupid lines? And also... A-Rod's such a better player than Big Poppy. Look, everyone loves David Ortiz. David Ortiz seems like a lovely man. Lovely. A-Rod laps him and how good of a player he was. Mm-hmm. So the fact that if, if we're going to take into account a ludicrous number of factors and we're going to be looking at steroids reported usage, both guys already checked that box. And then we're going to look at the actual performance. I mean, David Ortiz is a fraction of the player A-Rod was. A-Rod had almost 700 home runs with 117 war. David Ortiz had 55 with 541 home runs and was a DH versus A-Rod's shortstop and third base. Like, it's not even close. It's it's not even close. Don't get me wrong. Don't take that as me saying, oh, Big Poppy shouldn't be a Hall of Famer. Absolutely is. But again, I don't know how you can accept one, but not the other. Exactly what you're saying. Right. Or how you can accept uh, a pre-steroids version of Bonds, uh, but not then divvy up all of the seasons A-Rod was not suspended from steroids use to count those as his production because he'd have more war. He'd have more war than David Ortiz. If you took away every season, he had a suspension or showed up on a positive uh, showed up on a report about steroids usage. He would still have more war than RTs. If you even broke it down like that and argued, oh, we're only doing the non-steroid years of Barry Bonds, would he have 10 years to be eligible for this vote? Excuse me. I'd imagine he would still. But that's, but, and again, it, it brings up the point of like, why, what's the fucking, what's the fucking difference? <laughs> 10 years would be 1996, which would be his fourth year in San Francisco. And like, that's the thing. Was he using steroids? There wasn't a report on it. Does that mean he wasn't actually using them? Who the fuck knows? Who the fuck cares? There's something to be said about, you know, a guy getting this kind of hate or testing positive in 2021 when there's very clear testing and a very clear line in the sand about whether or not it's allowed having this conversation for an era where it wasn't technically disallowed and it really wasn't something that was against the norm in baseball. Like I, I get why the public view for people who don't really give a shit about baseball to begin with are like oh like they cheated like they did steroids while they played yeah of course they shouldn't get in well like most of the players did it and there's really nothing saying they couldn't and that's just the kind of way it was it's like oh okay in that case like that's fine yeah like if you start injecting steroids on your own time like for fun I mean, I'm sure that the way that you get them is probably not going to be legal. They don't just like hand that shit out. But also like your job is probably not going to come over to you and be like, you're taking performance enhancing drugs and now you don't qualify for your year end bonus. Like that's not going to happen. Some people just take them because they feel insecure. 
And the, the, the thing, like, my point being, it's not like if you showed up to work high on crack cocaine, your office isn't going to come to you and be like, ah, oh, you don't qualify for your year end bonus. They're going to be, oh, oh, you're fired. <laughs> like, like, oh, and the police are here. And I like, why did you give me crack rocks thinking I was going to think that was I'm not going to get bribed like that. Like that's that's against the law. You know, you're probably not going to go to jail for just like taking steroids on your own time. Again, probably not going to get them legally. You're probably not going to go to jail. You're going to go to jail if you do all the shit like like it's it's immorality versus illegality. Like I get drug tested now for my new job. And if you fail, you don't get fired you don't get arrested it's like oh you can't go on a job site for three months until you test positive it's like okay i got a quote-unquote suspension i still go to work i still do my job i just can't go and like do one aspect of it we move on from it like adults and and i guess move on you know what i'm trying to say yeah you can't have these conversations within the context of like normal everyday people because they don't get the same experience regardless yeah i don't know it's it's not it's not the same world it's not the same world no i mean also don't get paid 15 20 million dollars a year for your job no offense but you're not that valuable it's 15 million dollars and high fives boom you're a winner sport thanks for showing up to our super sick office culture I could absolutely see my HR rep saying that in a meeting. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry, we can't pay you more. Here, have a sticker. Yeah, yeah. We'll 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 buy you uh, one lunch from the nearest Wawa. Here's seven dollars. <laughs> Go nuts! Yeah, I learned I learned about a bonus uh, structure where if you do a, a good, you know, safety check or you do some outstanding work on a job site, you know, like do something good. You get like a ticket for a raffle for Wawa gift cards at the end of the year. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Wawa. Wawa is wonderful. Wawa. That would not do anything for me. <laughs> no, like I'm not busting my ass outside of my current work, you know, structure for a $25 Wawa gift card that it's not like you get one. You have a chance to win one. Along with all of your coworkers. Yeah, you know, it's like we make fun of incentives in, in, in sports contracts all the time, like some random fucking Jamoke getting a five hundred thousand dollar incentive if he wins like World Series MVP. And it's like it's it's the Detroit Tigers of twenty sixteen. They're gonna win thirty games. But hey, if we win the World Series and you did a lot to make it happen, what have you a cool two hundred K? And you look at that and you go, Why even who asked for this? Um but like the Wawa gift card somehow feels even less significant than that. Because like, at least at the yeah, end of the like, day, that's money. You have that ridiculous stipulation in your contract, you know, like you're never going to reach that. But if you do black and white, you get that money. Yeah. Not, here's, here's a if you fuck do ton this, of money. Here's a raffle ticket. Here's a lottery. <laughs> yeah. Ticket. Yeah. Maybe you'll win. <laughs> it could be anything. It could even be money. It's not. Uh, so oh, corporate culture yeah. is it's a fucking animal, man. It's a whole fucking animal. It's the worst. <laughs> oh, but anyway, so yeah, a lot of shitty Hall of Fame ballot discourse. That's the, the main one. I'm not going to spend too much time on it because we talked about all these candidates before. Yeah. And 
we've talked about these candidates before and we've, we've talked about the general discourse before. So we'll wait till actual voting wraps up um, to see what happens. But trend wise, it seems like Schilling and uh, Omar Vizquel are losing votes, which is nice. Scott Rowland seems like he's gaining votes, which is also nice. So, but again, we'll save it. Generally speaking, hey man, I'd, I'd like to see up. Omar in there. Like nope. Okay. You are entitled to that opinion. And if you had a vote, you'd be able to exercise that opinion. But you yeah. don't, just like me. So go fuck yourself. I will go fuck myself. Uh, so let's talk about something we were trying to talk about last week or so, and then we didn't have time. And because there's so little else going on, we can talk about it. And that is the difference between two rookie quarterback seasons between Jacksonville Jaguar first overall pick uh, Trevor Lawrence and the New York Jets second overall pick of Zach Wilson, who so far are off to clear future Hall of Famers, clear future Hall of Famers. Um, And it feels like ever since. Mm, who's the last like big consensus first overall pick that or high, high round pick that paid off? Would you say Baker? I would say Baker. He's not I like not say Baker. Well, he's he's not like like top even top two tiers of NFL quarterback. But in terms of production and being able being able to play him without massively questioning his future, like the way the Jets had to with Sam Darnold. It seems like he's at least there. He's like I think he's getting a second contract, right? Um, he already did. I was going to say, as I was saying it, I was pretty sure he did. Uh, let's see. Um, so 2020, Joe Burrow, Tua, Justin Herbert. I think Burrow and Herbert look like clear-cut wins, but again, it's like year two, year three. That's not like you have an actual sample size. Kyler Murray, sure. Baker Mayfield does not have a second contract. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't put Baker Mayfield in the same level of Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, 2017, it's Trubisky. Uh, right in front of Pat Mahomes and Sean Watson. That's just fun. But yeah, I mean, before that, I mean, Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, Blake it's been, an, it's been an inconsistent group Emmanuel. of people. Really, really, since Andrew Luck, it's yeah. been Andrew it's Luck, been the rest of these guys have very small sample sizes of three years or less. Right. Or have just been outright terrible. Right. And outright terrible or clearly not a long term answer with conclusive evidence. Right. And it, you know, but every year, every year, the top quarterbacks in the class get hyped up a lot as being, you know, team makers, franchise changers, all that type of stuff. And again, that's not to say that any of these guys aren't, but it's also tough because we expect the immediate impact to be more than it is oftentimes. And that leads to uh, interesting results, especially when you get random overperformers like Justin Herbert, who was who like came out of nowhere, Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson, and you know, our middle late first round guys, second round guys. Yeah, who are like outperforming got out of like the fourth round. You know? Right. Whereas the, you know, the, the top 10 pick guys just seem like maybe they aren't having the success that one would think. And it makes it 
a little bit tougher to, to judge them because they have an expectation that isn't necessarily built into your calculation of other players and their performance. So all that, let's talk about Zach Wilson versus Trevor Lawrence and uh, also see kind of how it's been because maybe it's just where I live uh, and the shirt that I'm wearing, but it feels like Zach Wilson gets shat on more in, 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 dialogue than trevor lawrence does Ooh, corwin had a had a face what's that it's not podcast conversation oh, okay gotcha I'll, I'll i'll save it for later so uh let's start with where do you want to start zach or trevor first pick or second pick let's start with uh trevor first all right pick. trevor first name basis really cool cat uh trevor lawrence so far this season this is not counting today's game i can give you today's stats in a minute though uh, he has played 12 games, started all of them. He is two and 10. He has attempted 426 passes. He has completed 247 of them. That's a 58% completion percent. That's not great. Um, he has 2,514 yards, which, uh, um, let's see what the pace is for that actually. Cause that's, it's going to, he's going to have more than 3000 by the end of the year, but uh, does he break four with that? I don't think so. Times 17 now, 3,500, 3,561 yards. Uh, he has, oh God, nine touchdowns and 10 interceptions. Uh, his yards per pass attempt is 5.9. His adjusted yards is, per pass attempt is 5.3. Yards per completion is 10.2. Yards per game is 209.5. He has a quarterback rating of 72.3 and a QBR of 33.6. He's been sacked 22 times for 126 yards. Uh, so for me, this stat line is obviously not like stellar, but this is also a bad team with a bad roster and a first year quarterback and not the greatest coaching situation. So these stats aren't great, but they're, they're, they're not horrible, they're not basement level horrible. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where you look at what he's doing with the talent around him here on the field, and you look at what um, a guy like Gardner Minshew was able to do with the same, if not worse, talented skill players around him, you know, offensive line in front of him, that kind of stuff. And he was able to do more, granted, with a skill set much more fitting for being around such a, a not great team. But I mean, for me, like this has to go down to coaching, right? Like with all of the shit that we've heard about the coaching staff at in Jacksonville, just how much the team has just universally hated Urban Meyer and just hates working with Urban Meyer. Like for me, that's why I'm not necessarily worried about Trevor Lawrence. Yes, the production is concerning. Yes, the team around him is concerning. Um, but my goodness, I think it's the Urban Meyer experience at this point. You know, he has just seemed like a truly <laughs> awful leader of men. Um, and it's very clear from the writing on the walls that he is on his way out. Uh, so I'm not too concerned about this being a future issue. It's like one of those things where it's like, Oh, if Sam Darnold can get, if Sam Darnold can get away from Adam Gase, 
he might have a chance, but it was about three years too late to get away from that man. Um, yeah. It's kind of a, a big deal to spend such a significant portion of your career with someone who doesn't develop you. Um, I think if Trevor Lawrence, after what we saw, like, don't get me wrong. Sam Darnold was a very good prospect coming out of college. He had not shown anything compared to what Trevor Lawrence showed throughout his entire, you know, three years as a starter at Clemson. Um, Darnold had like one really good game in the Rose Bowl and, and Trevor Lawrence had every good game he started. Um, so I'm not worried nearly as much as some people probably are just because, hey, I, again, I'm also kind of one to always hold up hope on guys that I like coming into the draft. But yeah, I mean, those are my thoughts. All right, so let's take a look at Zach Wilson then, who has missed some time this season. So his uh, raw total accounting stats are going to be less than Lawrence's. He has uh, played in eight games so far this season, has a record of two and six. He has 243 pass attempts and 141 completions, which is, means that he shares a 58.0 completion percent with Trevor Lawrence, exactly the same, uh, but uh, significantly fewer yards, 1,000 fewer yards to be exact. He has 1,500 yards, 1,539, six, touch, ooh, six touchdowns, 11 interceptions, uh, 25 sacks for 211 yards. His yards per pass attempt are higher than Lawrence's, 6.3 versus 5.9. His adjusted yards per pass attempt which count in which factor in both touchdowns in a, and interceptions, which uh, Wilson is on the raw end of both of those, puts him lower than will than uh, Lawrence's at four point seven nine. Uh, his net yards per pass attempt is also lower four point nine six because of the aforementioned touchdowns and sacks. Um. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. This this to okay. me. No. No. I, I've obviously watched a lot more of Zach Wilson than I've watched of Trevor Lawrence because, you know, Jets fan. Uh, yeah, uh, he he's figuring it out. I, I actually the interceptions sucks and a lot of the interceptions look like a misjudgment of his physical capabilities given the speed of the game. But those are the interceptions I think I mind the least. Because he will learn like, oh, Oh, I can't do that. One would think like it's not ju- it's not horrible judgment. Well, it, it ends up showing it's bad judgment because you couldn't physically do it. But mm-hmm. it's not that he, you know, I don't he's think learning he's learning the game versus he's learning the game speed versus just making guessing poor, you know, objective decisions. Right, like it's not like he's throwing into like you know triple and quadruple coverage all the obviously and it, you know, he has. I think everyone does that eventually. Um, but a lot of the interceptions are overthrows or underthrows because he misjudged speed or distance or, and again, that's going to come down to picking up on the physicality of the game at a different, at a higher level than you were just playing it at. So I, I, I forgive those, but it, it leads to a, an ugly stats page. I, uh, that's for sure. And I think there's definitely something to be said about how many of those interceptions have just gone through the hands of the people he's throwing them to. Oh yeah. It's, very clear that there is some just bullshit happening on the field because of, I mean, don't get me wrong. I thought the Jets receiving core was going to be 
a lot better than it kind of turned out to this year, even with, you know, Corey Davis getting hurt. But man, some of those early games before, um, what's his name? Elijah Moore came out and really broke onto the scene. It, it's, it's tough. It is a tough look. Yeah, it really is. Uh, so let, let's get a little bit more granular with it then. So it, we're looking at intended air yards. What'd you say? I don't know what that word means. Granular? Yeah. More in the details. Thank you. Yeah, I got you. Like thing like uh, like like grains of sand or like uh, uh, grain like sugar, you know. So coarse, rough, gets everywhere. Yes, yes, just like just like sex with me. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I I didn't want to say it, but fuck, it was such a layup, and I hated the fact that I just said that while being recorded. Um, as like it hurt me to comedy. as yeah. a lover of that style of comedy. I'm happy you said it but it's just like that reaction you have to have i i regret it. it i regretted it while i was saying it so but i'm gonna leave it in because if you've uh, been around me yeah. really at all you know i i have i've done the same yeah yeah it, it, it happens to the best of us all right so looking at intended air yards so we can get a feel for how much these guys are airing it out so far uh zach wilson has completed uh, 1,539 yards and has intended air yards of 1,989. So he's exceeded his completed yards by about 400 yards. Now that's not a lot, but that also that, that regular passing yards number includes yards after the catch. So of his intended air yards really? of 1,989, huh? Does it really? It intended yeah, passing, air yards includes his yards? No, no, no. His, his completed passing yards. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. So of his 1989 intended air yards, he has completed 917 actual air yards. So he's get, he's he's getting about uh, 600 yards from uh, his run his uh, the receivers doing work after the catch. So uh, let's see what that actually is as a as a as a percent real quick for my own sanity because now I'm staring here looking at it. Uh, fucking. Uh, 917 divided by 1539. So about 60% of his of his total yards come from the air. Uh, looking at Trevor Lawrence so far this season, again, he has completed uh, 2,514 yards. He has attempted, or intended, I should say, just about 3,400 air yards and completed 1,321, which means he is getting about 1,200 yards from his uh, receiving core after the catch. And that means that 25, 14, about 53% of his total yards are coming from what he's done in the air. So on an efficiency, as a percent of, of, of the yards being the work of just the pass, and obviously the pass leads to more, did you lead your receiver so they have room to continue running? Or did you throw behind their back shoulder? So they have to basically come to a dead stop to receive. Mm -hmm. We understand these things. But in terms of where their raw stats are coming from, the work of the quarterback in the pass or the work of the receiver in the run, right now, Zach Wilson has more air yards, more work just from his end of the of the uh, production than Trevor Lawrence does. But not by a hardly great amount. I really can't wait to see how this Urban Meyer drama just unfolds. 
I mean, the stuff that we didn't talk about today that has been going on is, you know, he's been behind the doors of the Jags, you know, uh, building, been putting a lot of blame and calling his assistant coaches just losers and they fucking suck and just like throwing guys under the bus when players are very much upset with how their season is going as one might be after starting one and last year finishing Owen 15 and then winning all of two games this season which they're now two and 11 it's not like they're having a good season and or you know a redeemable season in any way making any kind of stride forward no they just got yeah. shut out today by the titans 20 to nothing yep. fucking insane and like he is just a snake oil salesman through and through great recruiter kind of have to be but oh my god i know i know his career needs to end he just needs to just disappear into retirement uh, yeah i think his wife thinks the same um <laughs> looking now at accuracy which is always a fun one especially when you have two guys who are throwing a lot of interceptions uh let's take a look so zach wilson we'll start on the his side this time has only had one ball batted away by a defender behind at or behind the line of scrimmage. So basically that's like if you if you ever watching the game and you know quarterback gets ready to actually throw and the defensive lineman go ah 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 um he's only had one time where that's actually worked out. Which actually feels very low, I have to say. It feels like a lot of times those players get lucky on that, but maybe it doesn't count tips. Uh whereas Zach oh Jesus god uh, uh Trevor Lawrence has had six which by comparison looks very bad, but I actually don't know if that's a lot or a little, but it looks like a lot more because Zach Wilson's only had one. So fuck you, Trevor Lawrence. Um, Thrown away passes, which are exactly what you think passes that just kind of like go into the sidelines. Uh, Zach Wilson has seven. Trevor Lawrence has 11, but it's tough to really get a feel. This is this stat might feel negative offhand because you threw the ball away. And that means you did not complete a pass. Uh, but there's other alternatives in there, which is you didn't force a pass and you didn't take an interception or take a take a sack. So even though Trevor Lawrence leads in this category of what otherwise might all look like bad stats, this one might not be the worst thing. Uh, if anything, this might be better read as a offensive line stat. Because the more ball I'm willing to bet if we you know, ran through all the footage, which fucking we ain't going to do. Uh, you probably find that most balls get thrown away because all well, time ran up and your offensive line couldn't couldn't continue to hold people back for you. And you had to get rid of the ball because you were about to uh, eat shit and take a sack. That'd be my guess. Listen, why don't you guys just all be better? Just be good. It's, NFL. That, it's not hard. It's easy. Yeah. So two guys do this. You one of them. You're telling me a guy, a 21-year-old could do this shit? Please, 21-year-olds can't even wipe their ass. Yeah, I'm 27. I got this. I'm in peak physical shape. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's hard to even keep a straight face. <laughs> it's hard to keep a straight spine after I played one game. But anyway. Yeah, it'd, it'd be hard to stay straight at all. It's already, yeah. Yeah. Zach Wilson, those are some hard jobs. Let me tell you about those Spartans. <laughs> the ancient Greeks had it right, my friend. Uh, all right. <laughs> uh, so Spikes, who gives uh, a hey, fuck? Why do you think Mark Sanchez ran into that ass? Couldn't stop himself. 
they saw an, uh, a familiar meal and went face first into it. Uh, <laughs> all right. I saw, I saw a thread on Reddit about like what players would have benefited from staying in school another year and which players would have benefited benefited from leaving uh, a year early. And I saw someone um, who commented, Mark Sanchez definitely would have been better off staying another year and taking a course on human anatomy so he could know where the ass is. Yeah, he hasn't learned it from his elbow yet. No. Two are very confusing. <laughs> All right. Uh, dropped passes, the ultimate marker of how successful your wide receiver core is. So far, Trevor Lawrence on the season has 20 dropped passes in his 12 games and 247 pass attempts for a 4.8% drop percent. So if Trevor Lawrence airs the ball up there, there is just about a 5% chance that his wide receiver just fucking drops it, hit him in the hands, hit him in the chest, hit him in the face, lets that ball fall to the ground. That was perfectly catchable. Zach Wilson has 16 dropped passes in 243 attempts, which is 6.8%. There's just about a 7% chance that when Zach Wilson throws the ball up, it is perfectly catchable, and the wide receiver goes, ooh, I can't do it. Ooh, I don't like you. No. Oh, what? <laughs> I got throwing it. <laughs> um, let me tell you, 7%, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's, that's too many. That's a big number. I don't, I can't say I know what the, you know, league average is or, or what a good number is, but it sounds really bad. Well, speaking of really bad, let's get into a number that makes both these quarterbacks look like poop. And that is the bad throw percent. And yeah, yeah, bad throws. I, I remember we looked up how uh, Pro Football Reference categorized bad throws at, at one point. And I, I'm forgetting what it is at this point, but I believe it was something in the excess of like, 10 yards from the receiver or something like that. Some, so it was an uncatchable pass for the receiver, but I, I forget how they, I, for, I forget, I forget how they. Yeah. Yeah. Three yards, two or three yards, like something completely. Yeah, 10 yards, 10 yards is too much. Yeah. Yeah. Three yards would make more sense. Regardless. <laughs> if you're throwing 15% of your passes, not within 10 yards of the guy you're supposed to, you are not playing the correct position. I want a benchmark person before I tell you these numbers. Who do you want as a benchmark quarterback? Give me, um, oh, man, who's a pretty average but relatively good quarterback? Give me, like, Matt Stafford. Oh, all right, that's a good one. All right, so let's see Mr. Stafford's. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. This It's, it's definitely bad then. Okay. <laughs> So, Matt Stafford this season has 82 bad throws, which is about 18.9% of his all his throws are bad throws. All right? 18.9. High for what I would have guessed, but hey, it makes us sure it makes Yeah. Sense. Uh Matt Stafford who has 438 pass attempts, so there's your 82 bad and then you know it's 18.9. Um Trevor Lawrence has 17 more bad throws in uh, 12 fewer pass attempts. So he has 99 bad throws, which is good for about 24% of his passes. Zach Wilson, not much better. 54 bad throws in 243 attempts, which is 23% bad throw percent. 
So when one of these two motherfuckers chucks the ball up in the air, there's basically a one in four chance that that throw is horrible. That's really not good. No, that is definitely what the kids would call bad. All the kids would call that bad. All my friends call that bad. Now on target, bad throw, bad throw percentage. I found a chart. Um, Guys like Drew Brees, Derek Carr, Ryan Tannehill and Teddy Bridgewater in 2019 were all below 12 and a half percent. Matt Ryan, Dak Prescott, Philip Rivers, Kirk Cousins were around 15. Most of the pack was around 17 and a half with the real echelon of bad players above 20. Well, what, what's the highest that you see? Aaron Rodgers. Well, Aaron Rodgers also attempts a lot. It's like uh, errors for, for platinum gloves yeah. winners. Like you do attempt a lot it's, of passes. No one else would. Right. And it's a graph of average depth of target and bad throw percentage. And it's a pretty, you know, consistent line. Aaron Rodgers is, you know, above the line in terms of attempts versus bad throw percentage. So not great, but not – you kind of – it also right. is a downer. Right. All right. So looking at uh, on-target throws, uh, which basically say, uh, according to Pro Football Reference, would have hit the intended receiver if they didn't get, uh, we'll say, like defended or what have you. Uh, Zach Wilson, 167 on-target throws for a 71.1% rate. And Trevor Lawrence, 281 on-target throws. That's a 67.9% rate. So – uh, Trevor Lawrence is currently throwing more throws poorly, so making more bad passes and fewer good passes than Zach Wilson, though neither of which really by a horribly impressive rate. Um, uh, for our comp here, um, Matt Stafford, 76.1% on target percent. So he is ha- uh, higher, more good throws, fewer bad throws than both these guys by a de- pretty decent amount, honestly, all things considered. Um and seeing one of the fewer drop rates of the three, but that's how you, that's how you get a lot of interceptions. That's how you got a lot of interceptions. And uh, now 71% on target percent. Like, all right, hold on. Let's look at, what do you think Stafford's completion percent is? Six, oh, I'm just going to give it to you. There's no point in making a guess. It's 66%, 66.7. His, his on-target throw percent is 76.1. So, so there's, a, there's a 10 percentage point gap there between what he's, what he's completing and how accurate he is, which is I guess we can also attribute that basically to the receivers, whether it's coverage that they're not getting out of that they should be or dropping the ball, fucking whatever. Trevor Lawrence... Uh, has basically the same gap, 68% versus 58%. Zach Wilson, 71%, 58%. Wow, he's so he, Zach Wilson, we can pretty confidently say, is getting pretty pretty right and fucked by the Jets receiving core, which, yeah, it sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. I, like, there are good things ahead. You know, having a healthy Corey Davis, having a year to Elijah Moore, having, you know, what other guys they're able to fill in with the boatloads of money they have available and draft picks galore. Things are looking ahead. But yeah, 
that's a bad team this year when he was playing. Now, how would you feel about these two players if you didn't know the names? Probably pretty bad. Context isn't great. Or context is huge. Does does it change anything knowing who they are? Like, if I say to you, like, because yeah. I think part of it is that I, and again, maybe this is just me getting, getting a lot of Zach Wilson talk because, again, Jets fan, I hear a lot of it. He also missed time, and there was the sensation mm-hmm. of Mike White in there, which obviously lends itself a lot to, to the, the dialogue about should he keep starting or fucking whatever. Um, maybe There's, I'm just getting a lot of that, but it felt it feels like it's a tale of two seasons, one of which is being scrutinized a lot more heavily than the other one when they're pretty comparable in a lot of stats – as it is i'd argue both are getting a a fair amount of attention with how poorly they're playing but there is also all the context of we knew what these guys were in college and coming into the nfl and we see the throws that they're making and this we see the misses that they are making and we can you know eye test is such a huge thing to have within the context of their actual you know statistics and numbers knowing is this stuff that's fixable is the cause of these numbers him throwing it up like Jameis Winston or just the context of, man, like these are misses that are going to, uh, what's the term for it, Um, normalize to the mean, regress to the mean. Um, You know, I think positive regression is in store for both of these guys. And then, you know, I think it'll be made easier with the right pieces and right changes being made in the offseason. Like the Jets, I have faith in their coaching. I have faith in the receivers that they do have and being able to kind of build around Wilson in the future. I don't have any faith in the current coaching staff and much of the receivers in Jacksonville, but I trust that they can see that that is a serious problem and can be addressed and apparently much sooner rather than later. So those are a lot of the reasons why I'm, I'm still optimistic about both of these guys. So let me ask you, they haven't, pro- they haven't proven that they can't, they've shown that they can, but they right. haven't proven that they can't. So let me ask you a question basing this off of the progression we've seen from year two of Joe Burrow, because it's kind of a, it's, it's a very nonlinear case of progression that we've gotten from Burrow mm-hmm. here in year two. We, we haven't, I think talked about all season really. Uh, and so far Joe Burrow this season, what'd you say? Corwin? All right. So Joe Burrow, this season from last season, so far he has about two more games played. So because he didn't play, he missed some time last year. So it feels pretty fair to compare these seasons right now instead of waiting until the end of the year. Uh, As of today, he has a higher completion percent by about three points. He has 500 more yards. There's two more games in there. So if you take out the average yards per game, it's actually about dead even. It's about the, it's about the same number of yards as last year. Um, 10 more touchdowns than last season. 23 versus 30, 13. N- nine more interceptions. He leads the NFL in interceptions this year so far. 14 this year, five last season. Um, he has a higher quarterback rating this year 98 versus uh 89 fewer yards per game but more yards per pass completion 
but he's also taken more sack yards this year than he has in years past than he did last year. And he leads the NFL in that too. 254 yards lost from the sack. Um, so it, it's been a statistically all over the place season. Would you call it? I guess I'm asking, would you call that progress? Yes. I've watched a fair amount of Joe Burrow. I mean, my lady is a Cincinnati Bengals fan. I am a fan of the Steelers in the same division. Like it just happens. I watch a lot more Bengals games than I do most random teams that I am not a fan of. He's being very aggressive with the ball. The team in front of him is not doing well. I mean, the offensive line is fucking horrendous. Um, The receivers are doing good things, but also making bad plays. Um, You know, Jamar Chase is getting a lot of love, but he's not been perfect. Um, Within the context of him being an aggressive quarterback and trying to make, you know, hero plays when he's not given time, he's not given a pocket, guys are not doing fantastic down the fields. I think in my mind, watching him play football, he's making progress. And, you know, this that would team be is not my great takeaway. to begin with. They're getting better every year. I, I, not at all remotely worried. Yeah, I mean, that that would be my takeaway here, too, because, you know, it, it, I know it's tough to look at the interceptions, like leading the NFL in interceptions and saying that there's being progress made in the same season. But interceptions come with being aggressive. And no, there's no quarterback that's ever going to be looked at as a great quarterback that is not aggressive with the ball. You just also have to be careful with it and not turn it over. And that will come with you knowing what you can and can't get away with. Which is something that we all learn. If you've ever, even at the high school level, I know a lot more of us have been high school athletes than than college athletes in our lifetime. Um, You have to learn what you can do. You have to learn what stupid fucking weird bullshit you can get away with in your sport before you can set boundaries and limitations for yourself to avoid negative consequences. Right. That just comes with, with understanding your physicality and the physicality of your opponents, Mm -hmm. especially when you're making again, such a big upgrade. So if Trevor Lawrence and or Zach Wilson are able to make an upgrade that looks like this next season, I think that's getting 10 more touchdowns at the expense of 10 more interceptions Obviously, would make for a very ugly stats page, but it would be very encouraging. I have to say, Jameis Winston special, the J- the Jameis Winston special. Um, yes. By the way, uh, Zach Wilson's box score is going to look a lot worse after today. Really, nineteen for forty-two, two hundred two yards. Oh, woof. Oh my God. Oh. So will Trevor Lawrence's. Holy shit. Um, 24 for 40, 224 yards. Sorry, 221 yards. No touchdowns, four interceptions. Bye. Oh boy. Bye. Oh Bye. boy. Oh, good. <laughs> wow. They both had such bad days. I mean, it's oh only my fitting because we talked about him. Like that's just how it goes every time. And it's also so funny how well, uh, like how tidily this fits into what we were just saying with them, which is uh, Zach Wilson ends up with less yards than Trevor Lawrence in this game, but more yards per completion. 
Um, and Trevor Lawrence will end up with, uh, you know, again, like, like more yards, but more interceptions because he'll probably have a higher percent of bad throws, even though Zach Wilson's will also be high because he has 23 incomplete passes. Like it, it's, it's going to fall right in line with what we just said. As is truly fitting, both the Jets and Jaguars were eliminated from playoff contention with the losses today. Ah, it's that time of year again, folks. The tree goes up. The jet sweaters go in the waste bin. <laughs> you can put your Jacksonville Jaguar jerseys in the trash again. All is right with the world. All is right with the world. You mean my Paul Puzlesny women's large jersey that I have? Put that away. It's very slimming. Very yes, slimming. Very, very slimming. All right. Uh, yeah, so we'll see what these guys do for the rest of the season. It's not going to matter too much, since, especially since they just got eliminated from playoff contention. So hopefully that means that the Jets actually and Jets and Jaguars, you know, really let them get wacky and weird and get aggressive. The last thing anyone wants to see after you get eliminated from playoff contention is conservative play. We're conservatives. Those two. But I mean, especially on the football field, like we are, we already got eliminated. Let's make it weird. I want to yeah. run a run a two minute drill in, with eight minutes left in the first, just just to try it out. Who cares? Yeah. Guess what? Like you don't have to surrender. Just play outside the box. Yeah, play outside the box. Not you don't need like to play in the physical sense of the box on the football field, but like think outside the box, the mental box. It, like, it's like there's no point in playing conservative when you've already gotten eliminated from playoff. You're not costing yourselves an ability to appear in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's already gone. That's almost always the goal of every team going into the season. I want to see no fewer than three flea flickers per game for the rest of the season. I I I fucking love the flea flicker. It's a great play. I think it's a phenomenal play. And honestly, because it because yeah, it really because of how much you know a lateral movement across the field it is. It, I, I I think it is an underutilized play for most teams. I think every team should flea flick more frequently. Frequent, Look frequent the flea flick. Uh, in this same vein, the Houston Tejans are going to be starting Davis Mills for the rest of the season as they are uh, very, very bad and will not be going anywhere. Uh, Corwin, what, what do you know about our, our boy Davis Mills? I know he was a very highly touted uh, high school prospect. Um, had a, a very nice senior season at Stanford. Had a very good pro day and, and combine. Um, I I am very distracted by a Reddit thread that just happened. Uh, that was just posted, I should say. Ohio State head coach Ryan Day part of possible package deal to the Chicago Bears, along with executive Terrence Armstrong. Where he would take Terrence Trace Armstrong, I should say, has discussed the possibility of taking a top management position with the Chicago Bears. And the deal moving him from Ohio State would include replacing coach Matt Nagy with Ryan Day. I can't take this 100% seriously, but what the fuck? I can't believe it. I, 
what? Like, we I can't give this any validity until we hear, like, secondary sources talk about it and confirm it, but, like, that'd be fucking massive. Say the whole thing again. Ohio State Executive Trace Armstrong, along with current Ohio State head coach Ryan Day, discussed package deal for to move to the bears essentially some contract structure for the both of them with buyouts for ohio state huh that's an interesting strategy yeah um I mean, Justin Fields played for Ryan Day. I mean, it's Ryan Day has been a very successful coach at Ohio State, by all means, uh, in the wake of Urban Meyer leaving. Um, but that would be pretty fucking massive of a deal. And yeah, those buyouts would be colossal. Oh, my God. I couldn't imagine. Like, Trace Armstrong, you know, executive and in, in, – the college ranks like I, I don't really know what those guys get paid they're not public in the way that head coaching salaries are but i know ryan day would have quite the buyout on his deal um i mean we gotta be talking millions of dollars including yeah. oh, whatever they end up shilling out as their their salary after that yeah. for a new contract um but yeah you know so all that being said davis mills uh, i'm glad they're giving him the chance uh, before they, you know, have to go into free agency in the draft to see what yeah, they got. Yeah, fuck David Mills now. I don't even care. Um, yeah. All right. Well, you know, we've been going for a while. Let's wrap up with uh, the little bit of somber news that we have. Um, four-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champ, longtime Denver Bronco, and uh, one year of New York Jets football that I completely forgot about. Demarius Thomas uh, passed away this this past week, um, horribly suddenly and very very young. At the age of 33, um, apparently, from what I saw, he had seizures. He was having he, he had um, something along the lines of he had like a, a some some issue in which so he was he, having a lot of seizures. He had a head injury, a concussion, I believe, with the Jets in 2019 um, that led to you know more and more frequent seizures and just long term lasting health issues. Um, and he they weren't going to make the this information public but it was leaked out to the media and it was just a statement that had to be made of he had a seizure when he was in the shower um and it resulted in him passing and it's just one of those circumstances where seizures aren't exactly you know a normal everyday occurrence that are totally fine and you know manageable like they're it's a very big deal um and it was a situation where that's probably one of the worst places to have one, uh, especially inside your own home. So it, it's, it's fucking awful news. I mean, Marius Thomas was a huge star when we were really, you know, when Josh and I were sitting on his couch together, watching football, you know, part of such a, a great quote unquote dynasty when Peyton Manning was there, you know, going to the Super Bowl, winning the Super Bowl, you know, he was putting up some truly, insane numbers while he was there you know he was the top dog um genuinely a guy i think should be included in the broncos ring of honor whatever their you know 
terminology for it is just absolutely everything I've heard about him in the wake of this, you know, tragic passing has been, yes, like we can talk about the stats and how good he was for us and, you know, his play on the field all you want, but it is just pales in comparison to who he was as a person and teammate and just inside and outside the locker room, just tragic, you know, it's overplayed. It's a little cliche to refer to it like this, but it's hard not to just call it such an awful tragedy. Yeah, by, by by all accounts, his his charity work, the work that he does for his hometown, the work that he's done for for a lot of, a lot of small towns in, in Georgia. There's a Demarius Thomas Day in Dublin, Georgia, because of the work that, that he has done. Um, by all accounts, he seems like he was truly a wonderful person, and it also comes at such a, a you know awful time. He had just retired from the NFL, and you know we often think like you know, a guy retires from a sport and then he no longer exists, you know, like he, he leaves the sport and then his name isn't mentioned in my daily fantasy updates. And he he's, he's just spending time with his family. So he's not on a news radar. So therefore uh, the lack of object permanence results in him not being a real person anymore. And the reality is, is that's the start of that man's life. You know, because up, up until age, uh, whatever his last season was, like 31, 32, yeah, all he he did was play football. Or all he, he was really focused on, I should say, was it was the career in football. Um, it's a very structured, regimented, you know, dedicated profession that he set himself up to. You know, the whole aspect of doing this in your prime years and, and you know, young life is, yeah, you have a lot of time in the offseason, but you're dedicated to this game if you want to play at an all pro level like that and you make up for that by having you know hopefully a long lasting life outside of football once you retire it's a goddamn shame that you know it played out the way it did and this is going to you know spark more of the conversation into the way that the nfl handles head injuries apparently this concussion that his family believes started these seizures was actually as a result of a car crash. But at the end of the day, that doesn't really matter because it's still a sport with such intense levels of head to head trauma. Yeah. Um, that whether it started from a, a car crash or from a, a, a defensive backle rocking the shit, like it doesn't really matter. And the fact that apparently what happened, according to a cousin, as Corbin said, he, he was in the shower when he had this seizure and there was just nobody home. And the, Part of the tragic part about that is that a 33-year-old man shouldn't have to have supervision because of seizures that he sustained sensibly via his job, even though this one was, like I said, as a result of a car crash. Nonetheless, these are very readily you know, possible as a result of his employment, and, and you shouldn't have to have a caretaker or share a space with somebody out of force of necessity um, as a result of these types of very preventable or, or, or avoidable uh, occurrences, and and it, and it's 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 tough because Demarius Thomas was on everyone's TV screens a lot. He was a very frequent guy to pop up on your screen because he was it was fucking amazing at what he did. He was very very good. He played for some very good teams where he went to two Super Bowls and and, and won one. So you saw a lot of his face. He's one of the few guys because Corbin and I always talk about players not being able to recognize NFL players 
because they wear masks that cover their face so much and it's tough to pick them up. He's one of the few guys I think a lot of us could actually pick out on the street because yeah, of how much yeah. he was on your yeah, how much he was on your screen you could absolutely pick him up. And you know, we've been seeing stories and articles shared about him all week. He he did a so much work as so many NFL players are so great about doing. And, and Demarius was, was among them in, in making sure that he did a lot for, for charity and, and a lot for organizations that represented things, issues that he cared about. And it is a uh, horrible and, and tragic and unfortunate to have this be a story so close to his birthday, but we wanted to take a moment to commemorate Demarius. And his life. Absolutely. Plus, 80 grade name. Demarius Thomas. That's an amazing name. Oh, 70 grade name. Wonderful. Him and Julius Thomas. The Thomas combo. It's true. Good time for football. All right. I know it's a bit of a downer, but we'll close on that. Um, Yeah, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta get moving over here. So, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you do so at Juicing Pod. If you want to hit us up via email, you can do so at juicingthenumbers at gmail.com. If you'd like to hit up Corwin on Twitter, you can do so at Corwin Heller. If you'd like to follow myself on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. And until Thursday, y'all have a good one.